Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. If you're a young parent today, chances are that you've watched the movie called Chicken Little. Anyone watched the movie called Chicken Little? The movie Chicken Little is very interesting because uh, Chicken Little is walking along the road in one of the scenes from the film and an acorn falls on his head. He looks up at the sky and because he's a highly strung chicken or a fowl, he believes that the whole sky is falling on his head, not just an acorn. And as a result of that, Chicken Little gets excited and he runs around telling everyone the sky is falling down. I don't know about you, but some people behave like Chicken Little. When something happens in the country or something happens in their personal lives, they run around as though the whole world is falling down and they lose something that's very important to hold on to. They lose their confidence in God. How many of you know today that confidence is an extremely important quality? Confidence is something you need if you're going to succeed. Confidence is something you need for salvation. If you're going to be saved, you need to be confident that God is able to save you and to forgive you and to give you eternal life. And it's so important for us not to throw away our confidence. The Bible encourages us in the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews 10 verse 35, it says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. I don't know about you, but you can throw away your confidence. You can abandon your confidence. You can lose your confidence when circumstances go against you. But it's important that we hold on to our confidence in a world that is being shaken because God gives us the confidence to get through difficulties. And it's a God confidence, not just a normal confidence. Some people believe that confidence is when you project your personality, when you power dress, and you get up and you say, I can, I can, I can. You look in the mirror and you talk to yourself. And then you go out in the traffic and you say, I will, I will, I will. Get out of my way, world, here I come. That's not confidence. Sometimes that can be arrogance. Confidence, true God confidence, is knowing who lives in you, knowing, knowing who works through you, and know, knowing who has you in the palm of his hand. So today I want to speak to you about guarding our God confidence. Guarding our God confidence. Because no matter who you are, it's very easy to lose it or to abandon it. In 1527, everything that could go wrong in Martin Luther's life went wrong. He had faced some difficulties in that year that most people wouldn't have to go through. The plague had swept through the city and their daughter had lived only for a few months and had passed away. This great reformer, this spearhead of change, suffered a personal loss in his own home. And it would have been easy for him to have lost his confidence in God. He felt the pain of betrayal as people around him turned on him, as he spoke up for the things of God, for the grace of God. And uh, they were just recovering from a war. And he had started a movement that had kind of swallowed him up. It had become much bigger than him. And he was drowning in these circumstances. But being a theologian and a hymn writer, he sat down and he wrote one of the greatest hymns of the Reformation, a hymn called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And that hymn was from Psalm 46. And I want to quote just some words that he wrote here 
because this is the crux of the hymn. He said, did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. You see what Martin Luther was writing about here was Psalm 46 that says, though the earth be shaken and the mountains fall into the sea, God is our refuge. The God of Jacob will be our strength. Martin Luther was saying circumstances didn't matter. He was also saying his own limitations, even though he was a pretty amazing man, confident, gifted, he was a larger than life personality. He was saying, you know what? My confidence is not in that, it's in God. And I know who he is, I know what he's doing through me, and though everything be shaken, I'm gonna trust him. We need to have that same confidence in God. I wanna give you six ways that we can guard our confidence or build our God confidence today. Are you ready? Number one, get it from the right source. Get it from the right source. Most people get their confidence from what they own or from their upbringing or their possessions or where they live. And when you meet people, they are confident in who they are because of what they have or where they've grown up. It's wonderful to say, oh, I come from Santon. I went to Bryanston High and I've got a doctorate. But what if you were born in Dipslut hmm? and you don't even know who your father is and you have to catch a taxi? I believe at Rivers, every person should feel equal because our confidence does not come from where we come from or what we own. It comes from Christ who lives in us. And so it's not our background or our upbringing or our status but every person here should feel confident because of Christ living in them. Can you say amen? amen. Some people feeling, oh gee, I just bought that new BM. <laughs> Have you noticed how poorer people lack confidence? It's a trait often of poor people. They feel inferior because they lack and they have lack of resources. But you know what I've discovered, and this I've discovered living in many cities in South Africa, as soon as those people come to Christ, a confidence comes up in them because it's no longer their earthly status and possessions. It suddenly becomes of who they know and what they have in Christ. That's Godfidence. We need to get it from the right source. Now the word confidence is very interesting. Confidence. It comes from the, 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 the Latin word fides, confides, and that means uh, trust. The word trust, and then con is a prefix, confides, meaning uh, full trust. The question is, what are you putting your full trust in? Are you putting your full trust in what you're driving, where you're living, what you own? That could be taken away from you. Then where's your trust? Suddenly you're a nobody. No, no, you can have everything taken away. If you get your confidence from the right source, you can still stand up in God and say, I've got nothing, but I've got him. I have Christ. The apostle Paul talks about this in the book of Philippians. And he realizes how unimportant these other things are and how we need to have a sound confidence from the right source. Philippians 3, and I'll read you a few verses. He says, for it is we who are the circumcision who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence, you see it three times, in the flesh, 
I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, got a good background, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Man, you've got such credentials, Paul. We should, we should take some time to introduce you. We don't just say the Apostle Paul's here to preach today. We need to mention your credentials. But the Bible goes on to say, but. I love the big buts in the Bible. That's the only place I love the buts. It says, but what, whatever were gains to me, Paul says, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. Can you see he had a Godfidence rather than a ordinary confidence? Because he discovered it's who lives in me and who I belong to that gives me confidence. He has saved me. I belong to him. My life is in his purpose and plan, and I know where I'm going when I die. Everything else is incidental. We need to get our confidence, church, from the right source. When we get it from the wrong source, everything goes wrong for us. Number two, the second way we can build or guard our God confidence is replace what life says about you with what God says about you. Replace what life says about you with what God says about you. You see, Paul had a testimony that he came from a brilliant background and that he had a lot going for him. But what when you come from a bad background and you don't have a lot going for you? Does that mean you have no confidence? No, you have to replace what life has said about you, where you were born, how you were educated or not educated, what you have or don't have, what life says about you when it's, when it's good is easy, but when it's bad, you need to say, I don't care what life says about me, I know what God says about me. I have a hope and a future. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And we don't look at our ordinary circumstances, we look at what God has made us. Can you say amen? amen? You see, God has cleansed us and he has changed our nature. And it's like the enemy wants to keep making you feel like you need to clean yourself up. Yeah, but look at you. No, I, I have challenges, but it's not what I have. It's what I have coming into my life that makes all the difference. If you've got a garden pond and you neglect the garden pond, it will look something like this picture on the screen. All dirty, full of algae, full of dead leaves. How many of you know that to clean a pond like this is not a simple task? Most people go with a bucket and a spade or with their hands and gloves and they try and take the dirt off the bottom and they try and clean it up. But you know, I've discovered the most simple way to clean a garden pond is simply to put a hose pipe in it and to run the water. And as you run the water, the water agitates the bottom and lifts all the leaves and the dirt and they begin to float to the top. And as the pond overflows, all the dirt flows out, and it just flows out. And, it just flows, and you just keep the water pouring into it, it just keeps flowing until the pond runs completely clear. Now, obviously, if you've got fish in it, it's a bit of a different story. But if it's just a pond, to get it clean, you just need to change what's coming into it. 
So in your life, it doesn't matter what's happened to you. It doesn't matter how stagnant or dirty. It doesn't matter the background of your life. Just make sure that you've got the Word of God, the Holy Spirit pouring into you. And as it just keeps pouring into you, it'll pour out your mistakes. It'll pour out the dirt. Because many of us in the room are believers. You know, it's one thing when you're not saved. And then, and you've messed up, and then you come to Christ. It's another thing when you're saved and you mess up. Anyone in the room relate? But then you still need to just keep coming to Christ and just keep realizing it's not about me because every person in the room's got limitations. But it's about he who lives in me and that gives me confidence and so I'm just gonna let him pour into me and pour into me and I'm gonna let the word pour into me because I'm gonna let what God says about me change my life, not what life says about me. Can you say amen? We need to realize that we don't earn our salvation with God. Think of this when Jesus was baptized. The Bible says you heard a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Do you realize Jesus hadn't even begun his ministry? He hadn't earned his salvation, if you like. He just loved his father. And when you just love God, you, you find the love of God pours back into you. And it doesn't matter what life says about you. Your confidence comes knowing God's love in your life. And the love of God can cleanse your life and give you a confidence. We don't have to earn anything. We just have to focus on God and love God. I was reading this book by Sharon Jaynes called Enough. And she tells a wonderful story in the book about her and her husband going away for a very special evening at a, a, a very wonderful restaurant. And there was dinner and dancing. And she says they sat down and they had a lovely dinner. And uh, the tables were sort of a, in a half moon around a beautiful dance floor. So when they finished eating, her husband said to her, come darling, let's dance. You know, we don't have the kids. We've had a lovely dinner. And she said, oh no, oh no, no. We haven't danced for a good couple of, couple of years. We're not gonna be on that floor first. So she said, they, they, she, he said, okay, we'll wait. And a couple went on the dance floor and they were, you, you know those couples, they get on the floor and, and they know they're good. So they're coming on first. And then they take each other and they've got those moves and they all, and is that, and you just watch every, and every now and again they glance at you because they know we're, we're good, aren't we? I've been to lots of weddings. In fact, Kogi, you and Derek are like that. First on the dance floor, they show you how their feet don't touch each other. Well, possibly my eye asked, are you going to dance? No, we'll just watch. Anyway, she and her husband, she said they waited and uh, glad they never got up because this couple was like world class. Then another couple got up and they weren't so good and then another couple got up and then they thought, okay. And she said, I went around, we went around the side to so the back where no one could see and she said, I put my head in my husband's shoulders and I'm hoping no one would, would notice and then I glanced up to see if, if anyone was looking. She said, when I glanced up to see if anyone was looking, no one was looking. In fact, everyone's eyes were transfixed on the dance floor on the other side where a woman had taken her husband on the floor to dance only problem was he was in a wheelchair and she said as he in this wheelchair danced with her lifting his arms and she sweetly putting her head next to him and turning the wheelchair around the people the tears began to stream out of people's eyes she said she 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 she, she herself shed a tear on her husband's shoulder and then she said a slow song came up after they danced a fast one, and this woman went and got a chair and sat down next to her husband and then swirled around with the chair, with the wheelchair, and danced with him. She said the tears just streamed down the faces of the people. She said as she danced there, the Lord spoke to her, and he said to her, 
have you noticed that it's not the perfection that is drawing the tears, but it's love that's drawing the tears. And she said, God spoke to her and said, I'm not looking for your perfection. That's not what moves the heart of God. It's your, it's your love for me that moves my heart. And we need to remember God's not moved by our achievements. We must live righteously. We need to honor him with our bodies, with our lives, with our finances. But God's not moved by that. He's not moved by earthly confidence and our steps all perfect. He's moved when we love him and when we know what he says about us and how much he loves us. Guard your confidence. Know that God loves you. And can I say, just keep loving him. The best way to love God is when you come to church and you begin to sing and you begin to worship. Let's do that. Number three, guard your thoughts. I want to spend a bit of time on this. If you're going to guard your God confidence, you have to guard your thoughts. Our thoughts are constantly assailed by wild negativity. Have you noticed that? I find I just need to watch one news broadcast and all my joy literally ends up going out of my toes. Can anyone relate to that? Because it's so discouraging. One issue after another, one scandal after another, one political party doing something after another. None of them is exempt. Someone stealing, someone killing, someone doing something. We've got to guard our thoughts and we've got to keep them fixed on, on God's word. Any one of you ever watched on television or been to in America a rodeo where cowboys chase after steers and there's one particular one where they, they, they release a calf with a cowboy and they open the gates and the, the, the cowboy comes out on a horse and the calf comes out running. And as that calf runs around chasing, the cowboy rides after it with a lasso and he lassoes the calf while he's riding the horse and he then pulls that rope tight, but then he begins to reel the calf in and he jumps off the horse and he quickly wraps that rope around its legs and as soon as he's got it around the legs, he lifts his arms up in the air and that's when the clock stops and that's the test of how good he is at uh, reeling in, you know, the, the herding and so on that they used to do in the old days. That's kind of the measure of it. And, uh, you know, when I thought of that, I realized that's what we need to do with our thoughts. They're thoughts that just come bolting out of nowhere and we need to reel them in with God's word and bring them under control and say, hey, no more. Are you running around the arena of my mind? I think when we, when we have those kind of wild thoughts, they, they can be thoughts like this. I'm not good enough. I failed again. I'll never be able to get that right. I'll always be average. I won't find someone to love me. I'm not qualified for what I do. I'm not gonna succeed at this. No, we need to lasso them with the promises of God and reel them in and realize that if we let those thoughts, they'll run riot in the arena of our minds. But God's word needs to come and it needs to replace it. And we need to take every thought captive. Some of you in business today, you may have been promoted. Some people even feel like this in ministry. There's a thing called imposter syndrome. And this is how it's described. You can read with me on the screen. A psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Despite external evidence of their competence, they remain convinced that they are frauds and do not deserve all they have achieved. You know, you can feel like that in business. You can feel like that in ministry. You can feel like that as a Christian. 
if people knew what I did this week, they wouldn't shake my hands and say, God bless you, sister. God bless you, brother. They would probably walk away from me. And we can feel like we're fraudulent, but we have a position in Christ. And our confidence should come from our position first, not our performance. Can you say amen? Because we're learning and growing. Even in a job, you get, you get given a position. You get given managerial position. Now your performance has got to come up and you've got to learn how to do that. God's given us a position in Christ, but now we have to learn to live up to that. Isn't that true? There's something called justification, but then there's also something called sanctification. I am and I am not. Isn't that true? We are and we are not. And we mustn't allow those thoughts to make us feel like we're nothing. We need to resort to the fact that we have a position in Christ. It's interesting that in the uh, book of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul talks about how we need to take our thoughts captive. He says here, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. The, the original Greek dunamis is from where we get the word dynamite. We have dynamite power to destroy these things. We, to demolish strongholds, very interesting word. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. How I many you know people are arguing with the church today about what we believe? We need to know what we believe and we need to take nonsense thought captive. Sorry, sorry you feel that way. This is what the Lord wants us to believe. And it says here, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Just like that, that cowboy pulls that coffin, we need to reel that thought in and say, yeah, in Jesus' name, no longer you're running riot in my life. Because if we don't, strongholds develop. Now, strongholds is a very interesting word. It actually means echo in the original Greek. It's the Greek for stronghold is the word echo from which uh, the, it means to hold fast. How many of you know when you, when, you, when you get recurring thoughts, they're like echo in your head? Hey, you're no good. No, you'll never do that. And that's why we sang today, we sang one of the songs. Echo in my soul. Not in my mind. I need things to echo in my soul because if I don't, thoughts will echo in my mind and keep me from God's best. What's echoing in your soul? What's echoing in your mind? You've got to learn how to replace that and guard your thoughts because it'll erode your confidence. Ah, oh, there you go again. There you failed again. Now you're having challenges in your second marriage. Oh, yes, we knew it. And, and you feel everyone's pointing at you. No, no, you need, you need to believe God's promise that you're having challenges because all people have challenges and that God is on your side and that you can work it out. Come on. You need to guard your thoughts. You know, it's so easy to get patterns in your mind if you're not careful. I, I love the fact that we can record on television today. We can, you know, on the PVR, we can record the programs. Because you can, you can watch the program as soon as the adverts come, then you can pick up again, great. Because otherwise, when you hear the same thing, when I was a kid, we used to have the radio on, and you couldn't, you couldn't turn the radio off because then you'd miss the next song. So you had to hear all the adverts. Anyone remember that advert, uh, the, the Lexington cigarette advert? Lexington, that's the one. <laughs> what about you can stay as you are for the rest of your life or you can change to? How do you all know? 
You have an uncle in the furniture business. Can you see how it echoes? Hmm? It's amazing. But the best one of all was that advert that was both on radio and TV where the guy looks for the cremora in the fridge. It's not inside it. Can you see how easy it is for certain things to stick? Certain tunes, certain things to be played in your mind. If you don't mute them or replace them with a song of the Lord, your thoughts will run riot and you will lose your confidence in God. It's so important for us to know the song of the Lord. Psalm 98 and verse one, sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvelous things. You've got to be singing the song of the Lord. That's why it's so important to come to church. As you sing, uh, and I say, that's why it's so important to come to church early. Because you sing the song of the Lord and you replace it with what's in your head. By the time you hear the word, you're open. But if you come in at the last moment, guess what happens? You're now relying on the pastor and the preacher to do it all. No, God, give God something to work with. And realize the devil's trying to build these strongholds that will echo and echo in your head. Beth Moore in her book called Breaking Free, she says, no matter what the stronghold may be, they all have one thing in common. Satan is fueling the mental tank with deception to keep the stronghold running. The devil will feed and feed and feed. And you've got to make sure that you don't even let those thoughts in. You guard your thinking. When we were growing up, we had a door-to-door -door salesman come to our house. How I many of you know door-to-door -door salesmen? Thank the Lord, we live in gated communities. They can't get to us. But man, they, once you open that door, the foot's in the door. Then the body's in the door. And this guy sold us a whole lot of things. When he went, we looked at each other like, what? Why did we buy that? We can't afford it. There's no ways. And it's coming next week. So the following week when the guy arrived, we saw him driving with his car. We closed the, 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 the door. We switched all the lights off and we went into the, into the lounge and we sat down and we were quiet. We, were just, we weren't saved yet. And we lived in a block of flats. So he came to the door and he knocked on the door. He knocked on the door and then he went to the kitchen. The kitchen was just next to the, and he looked through the window and there the stove, you know, the spiral plates, they're all on with our supper cooking. <laughs> so he starts shouting, I know you're in there, come out bangs on the door, pulls the handle. The neighbors start coming out. Eventually we're like, okay, put the lights on. We came back out. We bought that stupid stuff, five liters of it. It's supposed to last you a whole year of these special liquids. Anyway, the way to get rid of door-to-door -door salesmen, you know what it is, is don't let them in. Don't give them a foot in the door. So the way to get rid of thoughts that want to race around in your head like calves is before they even out the stall. Say, sorry, I can see what's coming here. In the name of Jesus, I have a confidence in God and I'm not allowing that to be eroded by negativity, by doubt, and by unbelief. How many of you know in order to guard your thoughts, you need God's thoughts in your life? Now, this is what the Apostle Paul tells us here in Ephesians 6. He says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Some of you may not know that there are two different words in the original Greek for the word, word. 
When we read in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, it means logos in the Greek, written word. But when we read this passage here, this word is where we get the word rhema from. It's not just a nice name of a church. It means a spoken word. The written word, suddenly when it's spoken in a situation, has a freshness. Don't you remember Jesus was tempted by the devil? The devil came to him and said to him, turn these stones into bread. Gave him a suggestion, a thought. And Jesus came back at him with a rhema word. It is written. Out of all the written word, he spoke something. Man shall not live by bread alone. It was an appropriate word in a situation when thoughts could have been going around his head. Now, now you say, well, what does that relate to? Well, the devil will never come to you and say to you at your office desk, turn these pens into donuts. No, he won't. It's not relevant. <laughs> but what he will do is he will, like he said, with, he said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread, he'll say to you, if you are the son of God, why don't you turn the sickness into healing? If you are a child of God, why don't you turn this problem into a solution? If you are a child of God, how come you don't turn this lack into prosperity? If you are a child of God, how come your marriage is in a mess and you can't turn it into a whole marriage? If you are a child of God, how come you can't turn this barrenness into a pregnancy? But we need to have the rhema word of the Lord, a word that we speak in the situation that, like, like for instance, it's not God's timing now. And I'm trusting the Lord. And God in his good time. And when you have suffered a little while, the God of all peace will himself restore establish. You need to know the word. But you can't have a rhema unless you have the Logos poured into you. When the Logos is poured in, then the rhema comes out. And that's how you guard your thoughts and you keep your confidence. Am I making sense today? Number four, know who is in ultimate control. It's so easy to lose your confidence when you look at the world around you, it seems like men are in control. Isn't that true? Standards are slipping, chaos abounds, corruption is rife. Across the world, who can you trust? People are tearing into every president, every figure in the world. Theresa May was vilified. Watch, watch what they'll do to Boris Johnson. Trust me. They'll, they come to pass, these people. And do you know in the world, kingdoms come to pass. Leaders come to pass. Political parties come to pass. But our hope is not in that. We don't look at it and go, oh, the petrol price is going up. Oh, look what this political. We, we look who is in ultimate control. Our confidence is in that church. Polycarp is a great, great man of God, the Bishop of Smyrna. And he was arrested and martyred. And he chronicled his life and his arrest. And his followers wrote about his death as well. And that was circulated in the early church. Uh, it was known as the epistle of, of Polycarp, and it was circulated with the New Testament letters. And one of the wonderful lines in that epistle reads like this. Polycarp was taken prisoner by Herod when Philip the Trallian was high priest, when Statius Quadratus was pre-consul, proconsul, when Statius Quadratus was proconsul, and when Jesus Christ is king forever to whom be glory, honor, majesty, and an everlasting throne from generation to generation. Can you see they all said was, 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 and they said Jesus is? See, we need to realize who's in complete control. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go, but who's in complete control? Jesus. We need to, be in comp we need to have confidence for our future because of Jesus, not because of who's being voted in. 
And we mustn't allow the circumstances to pull us down. John Calvin said this. He said, the Lord intends to stir the hearts of the godly that they might not faint amidst heavy calamities, that they might not sink under any distresses however long and continued. You need to take a stand now that God is in control. Even when people come to you and tell you this, don't you think it's time the church got with the program? Don't you think the church should, should align itself with science? You know, I mean, evolution is a proven thing. You know what they want you to do? They want you to move the line. And every 20 years, they want you to move the line. No, no, don't move the line, because you know what they want to do? They don't want to move the line. They want to raise the line. And we need to stand as though we look unscientific, as though we look unloving on God's worth, God's word because he's in control. Some of you, your confidence in the Bible and your confidence in the church is shaken. You know why? Because you allow people's voices to move you. Because you think they're in control. No, God is in ultimate control. I love what the psalmist says here, and this is, this is important because, because you know what? The Bible's either fully inspired, it's not partly inspired. It's highly fully authoritative or it's, it can't be partly authoritative. And we need to hold our ground. And the psalmist says this, the proud hold me in utter contempt, but I do not turn away from your instructions. You see, God spoke in the beginning and he'll have the last word. It doesn't matter what men are doing in the meantime, we need to know God's in control. And even though people make us look stupid, our confidence must come from what he said. Because God's word is authoritative and it is sure. Number five, are you good? Speak with confidence. Speak with confidence. You need to speak what God says about you. That's why we sing so much, because when we worship, we exalt God, but we also declare who we are in him. Hmm? And you need to speak, not what, you, what God says, not what you feel about yourself. Hebrews 13, verse five and six. God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So when the boss calls you in and says, sorry, the economy's bad, we're gonna retrench you. You don't go looking for other people to go to the street and dance with. You walk out of there saying, okay, the Lord's my helper. What can man do to me? I shall not be afraid. The Lord is my help and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the provider of my soul. The Lord said, never will I leave you nor forsake you. See, it's a different way of living. But the world says, get out there and show them. Now, that's not confidence. Confidence is often very quiet, but it speaks a certain way. And you've got to learn how to speak when you lack confidence. You know, some time ago, I was traveling in America, and I was invited to a very large church. They seat a... a 3,000, a very large congregation, a lot of big names preached there. And the first time I was invited there to speak, I stood in the front row. Some of the songs they were singing were their own and they were very difficult to sing. They were their own compositions and, and I, I was like struggling to get into it and I was sort of feeling uneasy and, and I was thinking, sure, you know, a lot of great people come speak here and I, and I hope I'll, I'm, I'm more of a teacher. Hopefully I can, you know. And, I, and then suddenly we started singing that song. You're a good, good father. To you are, to you are, to you are. But the best line was this, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, 
It's who I am. I tell you, from standing in the front row, feeling like, am I able to do this? Why did I come and speak here? To I was like, yeah, it's who I am. And I'm loved by you. It's who you are. By the time I went up, I was fully confident, not in like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm a good teacher, I got a big church. I was, it was what God said about me. And you need to speak it. And singing it made all the difference. Changed my spirit as I sang it. And so you need to speak God's word. And I realized this important truth when I was standing there singing it. And I put it on the screen for you. I'm not responsible for what happens on the other side of my obedience. You know, if you have to speak in public or you have to minister, do what God calls you to do and don't be afraid. If he's called you to do it, he's got you under control. He's got your life in his hands. And what happens on the other side is his business. And I, I know that when I'm at home, I preach at home and I leave the results to God. But we need to have a confidence and we need to speak like that. Number six, our time is running out. I want a couple of moments left. Are you being helped? Are you being helped in Kailami? They're screaming and clapping there. Number six, the way to God and to build your confidence, get some wins under your belt. You know, sometimes we can't win in the big things, but if you can get some small wins in your life, you'd be amazed how it builds your confidence. Hmm? You're struggling with your weight. Don't try and lose weight over a week. Just try today to give up some sugar. Come on. A small win, when you get on a scale, gives you confidence for big things. I mean, it's ridiculous when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, right, okay, I've looked at you, 20 kilos you need to lose. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, ooh, chocolate, cream, Coke, all the stuff that I don't drink, but other people do. Chocolate I do, but... It's best to get a small win. You see, David fought the lion and the bear before he fought the giant. Why did he have such confidence before the giant? It's because he had seen God help him deal with the lion and deal with the bear. What areas of your life are small? Trust God there first. Learn to trust that he's got your life, that he's, under, he's got it under control, that he's in control, that his word is true. And as you begin to trust him, guess what? Your confidence builds. You know, if you, wanna, if you wanna run your own business, you know what you do? You go work for someone else and you succeed there first. You wanna be in the ministry? Don't come tell me how good a preacher you are because ministry is not the, the 45 minutes up here. Do what, the, do what the Bible says, serve. And I wanna close with this. It says 1 Timothy chapter three, those who do well as deacons, that was like volunteers, will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased what? confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. You see, when you do the ordinary, guess what happens? Your confidence builds for bigger things. You wanna be great in ministry? Serve in the church. You wanna be great in business? Serve in someone else's business. But if you get a few small wins, you'd be amazed how you'll be able to tackle bigger things and how you'll have a confidence from God that doesn't just disappear when circumstances are bad. I'm gonna have a hand over in Kalami to Pastor Dev, who's gonna pray with you. Now church, as we come to a close this morning, what I've got in my hand here today is a glove. How many of you know this has got no life in it? It's, it's pretty weak. You can stand on it, 
You can even kick it. It doesn't respond. It's got no, you can trample on it. You can actually put both feet on it. You can just, as they say in Afrikaans, you can just scop it. How many of you know, it's just, it's just, it's just a, you can even fold it up. You can even squeeze it. It, does, it doesn't speak. It does good. Nothing. It's just nothing. On the other hand, if you look at my hand, if I make a first watch out, even if I'm in the ministry, <laughs> because this hand, it, it'll draw blood. It can write. I'm left-handed. It can play guitar. It can create. It can cook. Hmm? It, can, it can work on the keyboard and prepare messages. But you see, the key thing is, when you put this hand in here, when you put this hand in here, ooh, now don't balk with this glove. Because <laughs> now if you try and twist this glove or trample on this glove, you've got to deal with what's in this glove. There's something stronger than this glove is in this glove. Are you getting the point? You see, church, without God in our lives, we really have a form and a shape, and we can be pretty attractive, and this is genuine leather, but without God in us, we can be easily broken down, easily trembled. The Bible says, the Bible says that we are vessels of clay. Isn't that true? But then it says this, it says we have this treasure in vessels of clay. So we have Christ in us. The key thing is if we're to be confident and strong in the face of an onslaught in our world, we've got to have God living in us. We need Christ in us because he's the one that brings the strength. He's the one that brings the life. And he's the one that enables us to withstand the onslaught of the enemy. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.